going to try and uh, really hard to keep an eye on, on my time this morning because I know for every moment we sit in here in the darkness, we are yearning for the sunshine outside. Um, but I really sense that the Lord wants to do something really quite precious with us this morning. And uh, I don't want to rush that. So I'm going to try and be as concise as I can in my, in my teaching this morning so that I can get us to there. That's my goal this morning as I want us to get... I want us to, to take in and listen to this teaching that I feel the Lord has put in my heart. But more than that, I want us to get to the end bit where we get to really experience what I feel the Lord has for us this morning. So buckle up, <laughs> as they say in Tyrone, buckle up. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, why don't you turn to the book of Mark? Because I'm going to be in that in the beginning. and It'll be handy for you to have it there. When Jesus was alive and during his ministry, during those three years of mission that Jesus was on, there was a common reaction to him. Um, and as you read through the Gospels, you see there's this common reaction to Jesus, and it was one of awe and wonder. Lots of times it refers to it. It says, and they were filled with awe, and they were filled with wonder, or they were astonished, or other words that mean the same thing. People were just pretty blown away by him. Um, and, and people were astonished and surprised and blown away by the things he said. They were really in awe of the things he did and also in the manner in which he did those things. It wasn't just what he did and what he said, but the how he did it. People were just blown away by him. And um, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm telling the, the gospel, there's a lot of the stories of the gospel, Jesus accounts are in all the gospels, but I wanted to highlight Mark this morning because it's a great book to read through at its fast paced. It's just like boom, 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 miracle encounter, another story here, a parable. And it's just, if you, I encourage you this week, why don't you read the book of Mark and just be blown away again by, by Jesus just be blown away by who he is and what he does and how he does it. Be in awe and wonder of him, the same as the people that encountered him. And, um, but Jesus was not only adored, which you will find when you read the book of Mark. He was also a pretty controversial figure, especially for the, the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law. And they very quickly began to see Jesus as their enemy. So on one hand, we had people who were just oh my goodness, I can't believe that there's a person like this in the world, to these other people on the other side who were like, we really don't like him. He is coming and he is destroying everything we've built. And they quickly became his, his enemies. Um, and they would have said something about Jesus like this in Mark 2, if you want to turn to that. In, in chapter 2, verse 7, um, the Pharisees said, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And there's other references to that there. But people, other people, people literally, so there's people who were in awe and wonder, which I like to call the crowd. They were pretty much in awe and wonder of them anytime they encountered them. There was his enemies who were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who just wanted to take them out. And then on the other side, there was these people who literally gave up everything they had and followed them. Everything. Mark 1 Verses 16 to 20. And Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee. As he walked, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, 
and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, could you imagine Zebedee's face? Here's these young bucks that he's been training all their lives to take on the family business and to become the fishermen who were going to carry on the, you know, the family inheritance and look after him. He's maybe even, we don't know what age Zebedee is, but let's imagine he's nearing retirement. He's maybe thinking to himself, I'm getting to the end of my days here. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and just says, come on, come with me. And his sons, they just lay down the nets, jump out of the boat. Zebedee's in the boat, so the boat must have been in the water. Jump into the water, wade in, swim in, whatever they need to do to get to Jesus. And away they go. Just like that. Poor Zebedee's standing scratching his head thinking, are they coming back? Are they away for their tea break? I, I, I don't know where... People were so astonished and in awe of Jesus that they would literally leave everything they knew, their families, to go and follow him. He was a compelling person, and that doesn't even do justice to the person he was and is. Jesus was far from boring. You know, and whether you loved him or whether the people loved him or hated him or were somewhere in the middle, Jesus took their breath away. He took their breath away. Now, Jesus' central message was the kingdom of God <clears throat> or kingdom of heaven, which Jason explained really well last week, are exactly the same thing. And it was the message that Jesus hung his ministry on. In fact, 72 times Jesus mentions either the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Um, and many more times he demonstrates it. Those are just 72 times that he mentions it, but many more times through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see him demonstrating the kingdom. Every time he healed the sick, every time he preached the good news, every time he told a parable that, that, that led to um, teach about what the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God looked like, Jesus demonstrated the kingdom. And in Mark 1, 14 to 15, it says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He spoke it out. He said, it's here, it's near, it's coming. Watch, and he would do something and he would say, the kingdom of God is near. And they would be going, what's he talking about? What does that mean? The truth is, for the people living in those days, it meant way more than it does for us because we have to relearn and, and learn exactly what it is he means. And what are, what are we praying? As Christians, we pray, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very simply, if we want to drill it right down to simple terms, the kingdom of God is what things would be like if Jesus ran everything. And if his will was done everywhere. I'll say it again. It would be like the kingdom of God is, it would be like if the kingdom of God was here in its fullness, it would be Jesus running everything and his will being done everywhere. If Jesus was in charge. 
When we're praying your kingdom come, we are saying, we want this situation, this person's life, whatever we're facing, we want it to be as if God, Lord Jesus, you were fully in charge and your will was done. Right now, in this moment, in this situation. We say the kingdom has come when we see the Lord totally have his way. When he is totally running the show. And we talk about the kingdom in the context of it's here, it's near, and it's now. And as you read through the Gospels, you will see Jesus describing it in that way. The kingdom is here. It came when he came. It's near. It's coming in its fullness. And there are moments when it's now. So this morning, I want us to think about what does life on earth look like when heaven is here, now, and near? What does it look like? What does it look like when our prayer, your kingdom come, is answered? Turn with me to John 14, verse 2, if you have your Bibles, or we can follow along on the screen, whatever is easier for you. And it says this, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Heaven looks like a place prepared for everyone. No one left out. No one homeless. No one without a place to belong. A place in the Father's house tells me that it's even more than just a bed or a room for everyone, but it's a family for everyone. No more fatherlessness. No more orphans. No more elderly living alone, going weeks on end without seeing another person. No more young people locked behind um, screens and locked away in their rooms with social anxiety, hiding behind screens and distracting themselves with social media, video games and box sets to numb the pain of loneliness and depression and hopelessness. No more of that. A place prepared for us where God is going and he is preparing a place and a home for us. It is a place of family. It is a place of life. It is a place of, of nourishment. It is a place of connection. Your father has prepared a place for you. And it's not just a room, it's a family for you to belong to. Another thing that heaven looks like, in Revelation 21.4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so often, the only time we hear that verse is at funerals. And it brings us comfort, doesn't it? It brings us comfort to know that the pain and the grief and the deep sadness that we've been plunged into at the loss of a loved one, that we know there's more beyond it. That we know that there's a place where there's no mourning and there's no crying and there's no pain anymore. But to just keep that verse for that moment it is a disservice. This verse tells me that, that your kingdom come, heaven come to earth here right now means that, that we can see God break into people's mourning. That we can see pain and death and sickness and all those things. That, that there's a yearning in us, isn't there? There's a yearning in us for us. When we lose someone that we love, it's like, it's like our hearts break in a way that feels like this is not right. And there's a reason for that. Our hearts weren't created for death. We were created for eternity. We were created for eternity. 
That's why it feels so wrong. That's why we feel um, angry. That's why we feel frustrated. That's why we feel like there's something not right. Our whole world has, is wrong because it is wrong. Death was never God's intention. I'm going off on a whole other tangent I hadn't intended, but I think there's some of you this morning need to hear that. You need to hear that in your grief and in your mourning that you are feeling that everything is wrong because it is. Your heart was not made for this. Your heart was made for eternity. Suffering, pain, sadness, mourning, all gone, all done. Revelation 5, 9 to 13 say this, says this, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to your God and they shall reign on the earth. Heaven looks like unity. True, absolute, pure unity. Every tribe, every language, every nationality, all in one song, worshiping King Jesus. Heaven to me looks like no racism, no division. Everyone who listens to Jesus hears the secret that God's kingdom is going to come in two stages. In the first stage of the kingdom, when Jesus came, the kingdom, it's going to be hidden. It is not going to be completely obvious. We have to look for it and search for it. And if you read through the parables, you can see Jesus teaching us that and telling us that. But in the second stage of God's kingdom, it will be evident and open, and it is going to be completely overwhelming. And this is what those passages from Revelation are talking about. When Jesus comes back, and we get to live with him in a new heaven and a new earth, it is going to be, it's going to blow our minds. We are not going to be able to take it in. Well, we will because we'll have a new mind and a new body and all that then. But if we were to try and think about it now with our, our existing minds, we couldn't take it in. It's overwhelming. In the first stage, the stage we're in right now, God's will doesn't displace every other will that already exists. In this first stage of the kingdom coming into the world, God's will is done, but so is the will of sinful human beings like you and I. We know we can sin, don't we? God gives us choice. He gives us free will. So we know that our will can be done, don't we? Have you ever been in a situation, in a place where you know you're disobeying God? I have. And he doesn't step in. I'm not a robot. He doesn't step in and he doesn't override me. He doesn't force me to do what he wants. Otherwise, he could have forced us all to love him. He doesn't do that. So God's will is done, but so is the will of ourselves. But also so is the will of Satan. So in the second stage, in the second stage of the coming of the kingdom, when Christ returns, there will only be one will done on earth, the will of God. Oh, I can't wait for it. Can you feel the yearning? It's like you can hear the earth groaning for the will of the Father in its totality because he is so good. Right now, during this era and in this time we live in, God's will doesn't always win the day because we know ourselves we can resist it, don't we? 
So if we know that God doesn't always get his way in our lives, we know that he doesn't always get his way throughout the earth. God's will can be resisted and God's will can be ignored. And that's why we see awful things happening in the world. And people try to blame God for it. Why does God allow this? Why does God allow that? If, if God is a good God, why is there so much suffering in the world? If God is a good God, then why, why, why? Well, this is it. This is the reason. Because for right now, yes, God's will is done, but not in its totality. Then there's our own free will. Humanity has messed up. We only need to turn on the news. In fact, sometimes we only need to look around our own kitchen tables. We mess up all the time. But there is a day coming. There is a day coming when his will will be done everywhere, every day, all the time. Jesus, come. Come, Lord, come. When we sing those songs and we say those prayers, come, Lord, come. When I turn on the news and I watch Syria, I think, come, Lord, come. Would you come? I can't see a solution, but you have a solution. Would you come and bring your solution? Would you come and bring your healing? The mystery of the kingdom is that the kingdom of God is here, but it hasn't replaced every other kingdom. The will of God is being done, but so is the will of ourselves and the will of Satan. In this age, where it's like we're running on parallel tracks of like, if you imagine a railway, our world the, the, the will of Satan and ourselves and our humanity and our brokenness and the will of God run in parallel. But when Jesus returns, when Christ returns, creation is going to run on only one reel. One reel. And our will is going to will, run fully on the will of God. The kingdom of God is coming. That kingdom of God in its fullness is coming. And sometimes we catch whispers and glimpses and moments of it. And it just increases our yearning. It is near. It's like sometimes it feels like it's just beyond a veil. And we could reach out and touch it. And sometimes it comes crashing into our everyday lives. And we see the, the, the sick healed. We see broken lives restored. We see marriages that we never imagined could flourish, flourish. Because the kingdom of God breaks in. Imagine a world where Jesus is in charge. Imagine that world. Sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes I'm guilty of just sitting and praying and just waiting and praying, come Lord, come. And what I'm really saying is, just come back and fix it all, Jesus. Please come back. But actually what he's inviting us into is that we would pray, Lord, come, Lord, come now in this moment, in this situation. Because there's more that we can see. Yes, we live in this in-between age where it's not always God's will being done, but we get to see more of it if we would just expect and pray and wait on it. So let's start globally. What would the kingdom of God come and look like globally? What would it look like on a worldwide scale if Jesus was in charge of the whole world? Well, one of the things that I think it would look like is the end of poverty. Everyone has enough. No lack. No sin that leads to the exploitation of the poor and the marginalized. No power and control over the weak, keeping them down so others can climb up the ladder to accumulate more and more for themselves at the expense of exploiting others. 
gone, the end of poverty gone if Jesus was in charge. What about nationally in our own country? What would the kingdom of God look like here? Well, I think it would look like the end of racism and the end of sectarianism. When Jesus comes back and we step into eternity with him, we do not step into eternity, eternity on our own. Apologies if you're an introvert. But we do not step into eternity on our own. We don't all get our own personal Jesus. The introverts in the room are a wee bit nervous now, feeling a wee bit insecure, a wee bit sad. But we don't. And I think sometimes we think that, don't we? We think... It's me and Jesus, and that's so good. Our relationship with Jesus is personal, it is individual, and it's between you and him, and that is a great thing. But we don't get our own personal Jesus. When we go to be with him, we go to be with everyone else with Jesus. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every nationality, every person, the people that you would cross over the street so you wouldn't have to walk past, the people that you think aren't going to heaven are probably going to be there, and you're going to be really shocked. And more than that, you're going to have to live with them forever. You see, there are many rooms for many tribes, for many nations. Those people who we look at now and we think, I could never agree with them, and I'm not quite sure if I believe what they believe, and I don't even know if that's even, I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. What we do know is there is only one way to God, and that is Christ Jesus. That's what we know. That's what we know, that we know, that we know to the core of our being. There is one mediator between God and man, and his name is Christ Jesus. We know that to the core of our being. But the rest of it is up to the Father. And what I'm saying in that is that we don't get to choose who gets in and who doesn't. The Father does. He knows. He knows. Imagine a world, imagine a place, imagine if we could catch a glimpse, if we could see the kingdom here, now, near, breaking into racism, breaking into um, our sectarianism here in Northern Ireland. Imagine, imagine we could see God break into that. Um, I was thinking again this week of how for 30 years we cried out for peace. Oh, how we cried out for peace. And God in his mercy... In his mercy, he heard, our, he heard our prayers and he answered it. And I, and I am going off on a tangent right now, but I honestly think the time has come where we need to pray, pray with the same urgency and fervency for reconciliation. There's more. Peace was wonderful and it is amazing and we want to hold on to it, but there is more. There is more for our country. There is more for our town. There is more for the streets and the villages of this small nation where we need reconciliation of the Holy Spirit. We need to move beyond. That is the kingdom breaking in. Imagine that. Imagine if Jesus was in charge. That would already be here. You see, in heaven, there will only be brothers and sisters. No more wars. No more dehumanizing of the other. No more powering up of countries against each other, shining off their newest deadly weapon to intimidate and dominate. No more people being treated less than because of the color of their skin or their country of origin or the different language that they speak. Every tribe, every tongue. 
And what does Jesus being in charge look like right up close in our lives? What does heaven coming down look like in our homes and our hearts? What about homes and hearts without fear, without worry, without anxiety? What about homes and hearts that not only cared for their own, but loved their neighbors as themselves? What about hearts and homes that prayed your kingdom come, Lord, and expected them to do just that? What would that look like? And it's great to imagine, and it's great to dream, because we need to be in that place. We need to be able to see it, to know that it's possible and it can happen, but we don't want to stay there. We don't want to stay in the imagining. I could, I could literally go on for hours imagining what the world would look like if Jesus was in charge. I had to pull back here from not giving you more examples. But how do we bring heaven to earth? How do we bring heaven to earth? Well, I want to hand over to John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Church 40 years ago, last weekend, weekend before, Two weekends ago, 40 years ago, the vineyard had its very first meeting. And um, I wanna, want you to hear from John. God is the rule of God in this present age, which has invaded the kingdom rule of Satan, this present evil age. It is the arena in which signs and wonders occur. The rule of God on earth was interrupted by the Adamic fall, which resulted in a state of rule by Satan and his forces. Jesus was sent to recover the identic status, in my opinion. Jesus then came to right a wrong. Adam had made a mistake, of, and a disastrous mistake, that had infected every generation from the time of Adam until the coming of the, or the last Adam, the second representative man, Jesus Christ. Jesus came then to correct the ill, the wrong of Adam. And he did so by living an exemplary life, never having sinned, obeying the Father in every respect, and all the other declarations that are important to understanding about the incarnation, the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus then came, and in the process of time, introduced the kingdom of God. In Mark, the first chapter, we find Jesus come proclaiming the kingdom. He says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. In my opinion, in Mark 1.14, we have the thesis statement of Jesus. Everything that he said or did from that point forward was more uh, clarification, was more commentary on that one statement. All that Jesus taught about was the kingdom. All that Jesus did was the kingdom. And we need both the doing and the telling in order to get the full message concerning the kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's in the presentation of the kingdom that we have the illumination of God. Without the word of God, we have no illumination in this world. But with the presentation, with the, with the declaration, with the word, we have illumination. But without the works of God, we have no illustration. We need both the illumination and the illustration. We need the word and the works if we're to have the complete message concerning Jesus Christ. And it's at that point that we have brought something new and something a little different to many of you. As you've gathered with me in the halls and embraced me in the streets, you've told me, it's been so good. We've been here before. We came last year, or we were at a, one of the satellite events last year, and we saw the Spirit of God move. We saw the power of God move. We saw people receiving and experiencing uh, various kinds of works of the Spirit, and it changed our lives. It changed our minds. It changed our perspectives. It changed our paradigms. 
We're now looking at things differently. When we read the New Testament, we're reading it with new understanding now as we see the various kinds of things occurring in the lives of the apostles and in the lives of those that were surrounding Jesus. And so the kingdom of God is with us. The kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is upon us. The kingdom of God is here in this present evil age, and yet it is at a time yet to come. The kingdom has not been fulfilled. It's not completed. But with the first coming of Jesus, we have its introduction. With the second coming of Jesus, we'll have its culmination. And so we live between the times. We are here in the presence of the future. The kingdom is with us, but it's not complete yet. The kingdom is upon us, but it's not complete yet. The kingdom is in us, but it's not complete yet. The kingdom is moving among us, but it's not complete yet. If Jesus casts out demons by the Spirit of God, then the finger of God, the kingdom of God, has touched us. And so we need to realize that the kingdom is with us. And tonight you're going to see the finger of God moving. When you see somebody receive something from you, can say, ah, oh, there's the finger. There it is again, the finger. And sometimes he brings his whole hand. So good. And I love that. I love that, you know, we see the, we see that the presentation of the kingdom brings illumination, that enlightens us, that informs us, but participation is the illustration of the kingdom. It's when we follow Jesus in his kingdom's way, when we, we look at the life of Jesus and we become fully followers of Jesus, and being fully followers of Jesus means more than just saying yes to him and inviting him into your life. It means that we follow him. It means that we follow him. It means that we, we do what he does. It's, I love Jesus says he could only do what he saw the Father doing, and we are exactly the same. We need to go around our lives day to day and we just keep an eye open. It's like we keep one eye, we keep our spiritual eye open to say, God, what are you doing today? What are you doing? And the Father is like, come, come and I'll show you. Come and I'll show you what I'm doing. You want to see? Come with me. We need to participate. If we long, it's not enough to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. God is inviting us through the message of the kingdom that Jesus came and he gave to us through watching his life shoot through, becoming followers of Jesus and living a life like he lived, we get to be participants. We get to participate. So when Jesus prays for the sick, we get to pray for the sick. And when Jesus comes and when he prays for the sick, it's because there's no sickness, disease, or death in heaven. It doesn't exist there. So when Jesus prayed for the sick, he, he did that to demonstrate, to illustrate what his kingdom looked like. What this future kingdom that's coming in his fullness, when he healed the sick, it was to say, there's a kingdom coming where there is no sickness. There is no death. I believe that as Jesus walked around this earth doing miracles, he was not showing off. He was not even proven that he was God. Although when people saw him acting that way, they often said, this must be God. That's not why he did it. I believe he did it because he was moved with compassion at the brokenness of the sinful world that we live in and the pain of it. His kingdom looked so different to the kingdom of darkness that he saw in this world that he could, do, he could not step back and not heal the sick. 
His compassionate heart and love for us meant that he couldn't stand by and not proclaim the good news to people that did not know it. He couldn't stand back and not raise the dead. His kingdom leaked out of him everywhere he went. It was like this kingdom that he was coming. It was like it leaked out of him. It was like the worst kept secret because everywhere he went, it was the kingdom. It was the kingdom. It was the, the deaf hearing. It was the blind seeing. It was the, the poor in heart, mind, and spirit hearing the good news. It was all over the place. My prayer for us today is that we would grasp the kingdom of God. Not that we would just grasp it intellectually. That is not what this is about. But we would grasp in the reading of the life of Jesus that we would become transformed as we read about the stories of Jesus and the kingdom of heaven is here and the kingdom of God is near and all that. And we see him do his miracles and we see him reach out with compassion and that something would be transformed in us. That that that, that groaning and yearning for come Lord Jesus come would move beyond a groaning and a yearning to actual participation. That we would read the scriptures and we would be like, oh my goodness, we get to do this? I'll be honest, sometimes I'm like, oh no, Lord, please, really? Because I'm so selfish. Because I'm so aware of what people are going to think of me. I'm so worried about my reputation. I'm so worried about looking stupid. I'm so worried about failure. All these, all these in, oh, irrelevant things compared to eternity. Compared to the, the absolute privilege that the Lord himself, that God would invite us to participate. That we get to live out and enact this kingdom prayer, your kingdom come. And the Father says, well then you come with me and do it. Let's see my kingdom come. And what happens is when we get this, whenever the Lord illuminates us in our mind and we begins to transform us, then what happens is our prayers change. Our prayer life changes. We begin to see our prayers as, as the vehicles for God's kingdom coming. We pray with a new expectancy. We pray with anticipation and we pray with our eyes wide open, not because we've been taught to in the vineyard, but because we do not want to miss a thing. We pray with eyes wide open because we're watching and we're waiting for God to move. Because when we pray your kingdom come, we are expecting him to move. So how do we participate? You're saying, Michelle, this sounds great, but how do we do it? This is God's kingdom we're talking about. And we cannot administer, participate, or take new territory in his kingdom without the Holy Spirit. It is his kingdom. It is the kingdom of God, and we need the Spirit of God to participate. We cannot fully extend God's kingdom here on earth. We cannot fully participate even in the mission and the calling in our own lives without the person of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it without the Spirit of God. And all throughout the world, we see shadows and moments of the kingdom breaking in through many, many people and all people. Sometimes we see, we see glimpses of the kingdom of God breaking in, even through people who don't yet acknowledge their Heavenly Father. Now that might tilt your head, so stick with me on this. 
And here's where I saw this, and I know Jason mentioned it last week, but here's where I saw this as up close as I have ever seen it. And it was in the, the refugee camps in Calais in northern France. When you see people who have educations and they decide after uni that they're just going to pack it all in, and they decide to come over to France for a month to help the refugees, and literally one year later, they're still there because they cannot leave because the need is so great and their hearts are broken with the humanity, desperate humanity around them. And I see glimpses of the kingdom because here's the thing, every single person who walks this earth is made in the image of God. Every single one. Every single person you meet. That's why we don't ever, ever dehumanize people. Because when we dehumanize people, we forget who made them. We forget who their creator was. And every person has the fingerprint of God in their life. And I believe that every person who walks this earth can be influenced by God, not controlled by him, but influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit to do good works, to do his things, to do God things, even before they know and recognize who their Father in heaven actually is. But here's the thing, church. Where are we? Because we don't get to just do the glimpses and the wee bits. We have the Holy Spirit of God within us. We have the full like, resource of heaven behind us. Church, where are we? Where are we? We, as children of God and as sons and daughters, walk in temples of the Holy Spirit we get to participate at a whole new level. A whole new level. We are not running on a battery source, which so often the good people in the world, and I am not in any way dismissing the good that's done in the world that's not done in the name of Jesus. I am, in fact, cheering it on. But what I'm saying is we should be there too. Please hear me in this. I am a huge fan of social action and of, ministry, and of just helping the poor and the marginalized and all that. If you know me at all, you will know. If you cut me open, that's what I bleed. But we have something more to offer. We have the living God to bring solutions. We have the power of the living God to sustain us and give us capacity and compassion beyond humanity and beyond what's in our own human hearts. I don't want to just see glimpses of God's kingdom coming here on earth. I long to see it more fully. I long to see it more fully. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the deaf here. I want to see the blind see. I want to see the poor in heart, mind, and spirit hear the good news. But to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. We cannot participate and we cannot bring kingdom change without him. We can bring temporary change. We can, bring, we can bring change at a surface level. We can, we can change things. You could say, well, Michelle, actually, if you look at some of the nonprofits in the world, they are making huge changes. Absolutely. But I am not talking just about surface change. I am talking about complete, the kingdom of God, turning things upside down, the right way up change. I'm talking about not just people's physical lives being changed, but their souls, their mental health, everything transformed by the power of Jesus. See, we need to wake up to the needs of the world. Church, we need to wake up. And I'm not, 
Unfortunately, you're the only guys in the room this morning, so you're getting this. But I'm not just talking to you. I'm prophetically speaking to the church this morning and the whole world. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. We need to wake up and open our eyes and look around us at the needs around us, at a world that is crying out for God around us. And for some reason, we're so, we're so caught up in political correctness. We're so caught up in people maybe thinking bad of us that we've, we, we're losing our voice. We're afraid. We're like afraid to speak in case we offend somebody. Do you know what? I, it's time we offended the kingdom of darkness. It's time that we offended the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of the glorious light of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to wake up. We need to wake up and we need the Holy Spirit to do any of this. I wouldn't want to do any of this on my own because I would just mess it up. And honestly, I would. But more than that, I wouldn't want to do it on my own because I wouldn't want to miss out on doing good with the Father. Do you want to do good with your life? Or do you want to impact change? Do you want to see his kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven? We look at the big things in the world and we look at racism and we say, where is the church? We look at extreme poverty and we say, where is the church? We look at complex, overwhelmingly complex issues and we think, where is the church? Where are we? See, the kingdom of God is advancing. It says that in scripture and I believe it. The question is, are we with them? Because we just can't take for granted, oh, well, we're the church, so we're part of it. No. We get to choose to be participants in the kingdom of God. We are in a battle, but are we on the sidelines criticizing? Are we just standing by criticizing and saying, oh, I don't like how they do it? And, oh, well, I really couldn't join in with that because I don't really agree fully with their theology, so I'm just going to step back because then people might think that I agree with that. No, oh, that would be awful. Or, or are we, you know, are we afraid of, I don't know, are we afraid of a loss of our reputation or, or what? Or maybe we're standing applauding as the army of God marches on and his kingdom marches on and we're standing and we're genuinely applauding and we're going, woohoo, go for it. That's amazing. But we're too busy clicking, clicking a like or a share here and there. But really what God is calling us to in this battle and in advancing this kingdom is that we would be knee deep in the mud that we would be knee-deep in the mud, that we would look battle-weary. You know, one of, me and one of my friends, we talk often about this, about when we finish the race. It talks about, Paul says, finish the race. Run the race and finish it well. Well, I want to I crawl over that line, battle-weary, bloodied from the battle with not one ounce of myself left. I want to go across that line having given it all, everything. You see, taking up your cross and following Jesus means it has to start costing us some people. It has to start costing me. It has to start costing us. Our lives need to look like we are in a battle and we are weary and we are bloodied from it. 
But we are not leaving anyone behind on the battlefield. And we need the Holy Spirit. God in his mercy and kindness has not asked us to participate in his kingdom coming to earth on our own. Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To be a witness is to see something. It's the evidence of something. Our lives are to be the evidence of the kingdom of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. Our lives should reflect and be evidence of the kingdom of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you stand with me? There is a, a, a holy frustration in me this morning, and I, and I don't mean to be harsh in any way, because I love every one of you, and I love this church. But there is a holy frustration in me that's calling us to more. And it begins right here, right in this moment, with the Holy Spirit. And he longs for us to participate with him. He longs for us to participate with him. But we can't, at the very most, we are doing good works on our own. As good as they are, but it is not kingdom work, people. If we are not inviting the Holy Spirit of God into what we're doing, then it is only good works. And it's surface. We want complete transformation heaven on earth heaven on earth and the only way we get to participate in that is through the wonderful person of the holy spirit so just why don't you put your hands out if you're comfortable to do that i'm going to invite the holy spirit to come and fill us right now right across this room and for those of you who are nervous of the holy spirit let me tell you who he is he is the same person that we see in Jesus. He is the Spirit of God. He is the same Spirit of the Father. He is gentle. He is fierce. He is loving. And he is powerful, but you have nothing to fear. You don't have to fear him. You, know, you put out your hands and receive Come, Holy Spirit. We're not playing music on purpose because we're not hyping anything up here. We don't need to. Come, Holy Spirit. Breathe on us. Breathe. Yeah. Yeah. You can see some of you already are beginning to experience them. It might feel like you might just feel like crying and you don't know why. It's okay. Just let it come. You might feel a heat in your hands. Some of you may feel like you're starting to shake. It's okay. If you could imagine putting your finger in the electric socket, I'm asking, imagine, don't try it. If you could imagine that there would be power 
He is a powerful God. This is the spirit of the living God who spoke the planets into being. More, Lord. There's some of you and you've never fully experienced them before. And this, this morning you're going to. More, God. Let it come. Hmm. If you're sensing the Holy Spirit right now, would you clap just so I can know that, so we can, yeah, not everyone can see, not everyone has a view I have from here. So God, increase your presence. So Holy Spirit, now would you come like a wind through this place? Would you come like a wind through this place? Would you shake us? Holy Spirit, would you come and you shake us to the core of our being? Would you shake off all in us that's not of you? Mm, like a mighty rushing wind. Yeah, I just see trees standing like in the autumn time and there's dead leaves. There's some of us and we have dead leaves, me included, and there's dead leaves hanging on my branches. And even just now as the Holy Spirit comes through this place, he is shaking off these dead branches because new life can't come until those dead branches and those dead leaves fall off. So Holy Spirit, come. Come like a rushing wind. Shake us. Mm, more, Lord. More, Lord. Mm. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Heaven on earth. Mm. 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 Emma, there's a beautiful presence of the Lord on you. Down at the back, there's just this beautiful peace and presence of God just all over Emma. God, increase that right now. Mm. And I just feel that the Lord would say to you, Emma, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen on you. It's time to arise and shine. Arise and shine. Yeah, more, Lord. Yeah. Just going to stay in this place for one moment longer. One moment longer. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes there's a weeping that comes. Just right now, Sally Ann's weeping, and there's a weeping that comes sometimes, and the Holy Spirit comes on us, and it's a, sometimes it's, it's like a deep, travailing weep in us because we are weeping for how things are, but how things could be. Mm. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Any of you feel heat in your hands? Could you raise your hands up, wave at me? Any more? There's a few more. You see down the back area. Any more? Yeah. Yeah. So when anybody's around the people with their hands up with, with heat in their hands, would you pray for them? Just sense that the Lord is um, going to increase. If you already have prayed for the sick, that you're going to see an increase in um, actually seeing people healed, miraculously healed. Through the laying on of hands. Mm. Maybe for some of you that's a brand new thing, or it could be just an increase in what God and what the Lord is doing. Yeah. Mm. Just stay with me one more wee moment. Are any of you got tingling lips just now? Wave at me if your your lips are tingling. Almost feels like the start of a cold sore, if you know what that feels like, a tingle in your lips. Yep, thank you. Keep your hand up. Any more? Yep. 
anymore. Could you come forward just so we could pray for you? If you've got tingling on your lips, could you just come forward just now so we could pray for you? Hmm. If I could have some people to come and help me pray, that would be brilliant. If you're a life small group leader or you're part of the prayer ministry, you want to come pray. Just feel that the Lord in particular is, from this morning on, he's increasing the power of your voice. Yeah, he's increasing the power of your voice. He's turning it up. He's amplifying it. And it's not that you're all of a sudden going to become loud but your voice is going to be heard. We all know what it's like to be in situations where we just feel like the other person can't hear what we're saying. And he is increasing the clarity of your communication and he's amplifying your, your voice. Thank you, Jesus. And before we leave, I just want to push into, um, we've invited the Holy Spirit to come, and I've talked about healing. It would be so wrong today to leave without praying for the sick. And I just want to say, if you are sick in your body with anything at all that's going on, it could be small, it could be just something that's irritating right through to something that's life-changing, a life-changing condition that you have, could I invite you to come up here? just over this area to the cross. Not that it's extra holy or anything. It's just easy for me to identify. If you could come up, come to here, we would love to pray for you if you're sick in your body this morning. There's an anticipation and an expectation here today. The Holy Spirit is here. We long to see him heal. Hmm. Yeah, so come, come these guys. I, pray. We need, I might need some more people to pray if you want to come up. And lastly, and then I'm going to let us go, because I really could keep going all morning. But I'm conscious of our children's volunteers. You're doing a great job out there. If you long to experience more of the Holy Spirit this morning, and you just feel like you have just had a sip of a drink, a lovely cold drink, but you really want to have a massive big drink this morning, would you come up to this side of the drums? And we would love to pray for you to experience more of the Holy Spirit to go beyond just a wee sip, but to just drink them in. If you want to do that, you just come on up, and we will. I'll get more prayer people to come and pray for you. And, um, and I'm just going to close off for the rest of us here this morning. Yeah. And I'm going to close off with a challenge. See, this week, when you're going about your everyday lives and you're doing what you do, your work at home, families, with your friends, whatever you're doing, can I challenge you to take a risk? And as you're sitting listening to people's stories and their lives and what's going on, I'm going to challenge you to take a risk and to offer to pray for them right there and then. And the reason I'm asking you to pray for them right there and then is because you're going to be expecting God to move and they want to be a part, you want them to be a part of that expectation. That when you pray in that moment, you're asking God to come and to change things in their life that need changed. So would you take that challenge this week? 
you're all looking a bit down to the ground and thinking I'm not taking on that challenge, Michelle. But I want you to take on that challenge. And if you do take on that challenge, would you email me and tell me how it goes, even if it was miserably failing and you felt that was awful? I still want to hear how it went. I want to hear that you risked. That's more important to me than the outcome this week. So if you do take on that challenge and you pray for someone this week, would you email me, michelle at vineyardungannon.co.uk, and let me know how you get on with that. And I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we, we love you. You're not a, a power or a force to be harnessed, but you are a beautiful friend. And we love you. We love you that you come and you empower us. We love you that you come and you help us to sense and know Father God. Lord, we love it that you come and you reveal more of who Jesus is. Lord, Holy Spirit, we love you and we're so thankful for you. Fill us up and send us out in your name. Amen. Amen.